Well, listen, here's the news for anybody who's governor or president. You're not emperor or dictator. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. Get your next beer, keep listening, okay? Here we go. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, but your information is wrong. My staff says I can take one more question, which means I will take two, because I want them to know that I am still the boss. I'm David First. New Jersey transportation woes in the spotlight again, and this time it's not directly connected to Bridgegate or Sandy. But both events had an impact on the state's transportation funding decisions and the region's crumbling infrastructure. We'll hear more with WNYC's Andrea Bernstein. First, though, we're joined by Matt Katz in New Hampshire. Matt covers the governor for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio and has been with the governor on his latest trip to the first in the nation primary state. He joins us from the Salt Hill Pub in Newport. Hi, Matt. Hey there, David. How are you? Among other things, this week marked the first time that Christie had one of his famous town hall uh, altercations outside of Jersey. Uh, Here's a bit of the interaction between the governor and a man asking about gun rights in Iowa. I have no problem with defending my record against questions from folks like you or anybody else. But what you're obligated to do, with all due respect, is to have a few facts at your disposal and not just an impression that you want to have. Because the impression is wrong. And the facts are wrong. And I'm still waiting for one fact, one fact from you about me being anti-gun. Give me one. One fact. So is Christie reconnecting with his uh, anger here? Or or could this be a calculated move to generate some publicity with Trump getting all the attention with outrageous statements? I don't think it was a calculated move. Um, He, as we've seen before, when challenged, he will often get a bit testy and angry. And I think that's what we saw there. Uh, What was interesting, though, is that this is a really vulnerable issue for him. Uh, Guns are a problem for him in in New Hampshire and in Iowa in that uh, conservatives don't trust that he's not going to dismantle the Second Amendment once he becomes president. I, I saw it up here in New Hampshire this morning where somebody Googled his name and gun control before he walked into this diner and saw a whole range of different stuff out there about where the governor really is on guns. And this is a guy who proposed a ban on the 50 caliber rifle and then vetoed it. So he wanted to come out as emphatically as possible. And it worked to some degree because it went viral, uh, at least as viral as Christie can get in the age of Trump. So Governor Christie, back in New Hampshire this week, how is his reception this time compared with previous trips? It's really positive. I mean, people in these town hall meetings, I'm right now on the third floor of a bar in the adorable little town of uh, Newport, New Hampshire. Uh, Last night, I was at a a bar in Keene, New Hampshire, and likewise, uh, a very enthusiastic crowd. I mean, they they, they laugh with him. Uh, They love his jokes. I mean, there's points where there's like just rolling laughter. There were people standing outside the bar for nearly two hours listening because they couldn't get in because the fire marshal wouldn't let them in because it was too crowded and they were listening on speakers that the campaign put outside the bar. It it would shock me. I kept looking outside as the night wore on to see if they were still there and you just saw like a dozen, two dozen people standing there outside the bar 
with their head down, like just sort of concentrating and listening to this guy. It was fascinating. And then at the end, he told the story he always tells about his mother and her dying words to him. And I look over, and there's a guy who'd been in the Navy as a submariner for 25, 30 years, pretty tough-looking guy, and he's crying. I mean, you cannot appreciate the positive and emotional reaction people have to him up here. I mean, it's pretty incredible, and he's got to be very encouraged by it. But then he woke up the morning after that uh, wonderful town hall meeting at a bar, and he saw that he's running eighth in the state. He is doing horribly in the polls, but he's getting a great reception when he's out meeting people. You had the chance to speak with several potential voters this week. Uh, Here are the voices of some of the residents who came out to hear that uh, town hall meeting in Keene, New Hampshire. I like Governor Christie, but uh, I don't know if I'm a full-time supporter of him at this point in time. I want to see what he's what he's got, what he's saying. He, yeah, he tells it like it is, and he, he seems like a regular person, and I just he just appeals to me for that reason. Well, I know he's the governor of New Jersey. Uh, beyond that, not too much. I mean, other than what I've heard on television. I think that he would be a good, honest president and get things done. I'm so fascinated with Chris Christie and just everything that he's doing, speaking for. He just speaks from the heart. Everything he says is just 100% genuine, what we're thinking but not saying. So it's just exciting to see someone to kind of step out and do things differently than what we're used to and what we really need. I completely agree. That's basically why we both came today. We were had no idea that he was even coming till about a few days ago, and we were so excited. How he handled that disaster that happened in New Jersey, I really loved how he handled that, and I don't know, he seems very, like he would actually protect our country. I would feel safe with him being a president, and I think that's one of the most, I don't know, what I'm looking for in a president is to feel safe. I just know there's 16 other candidates running, and I wanted to see what he has to say because I like to see what he has to say, and he seems like as a straightforward, honest-thinking guy. I like the way he talked. He talked my language because I'm from New Jersey. (laughs) The New Jersey way of talking, it's it's beautiful. (laughs) You can hear in some of those voices how uh, Christy really connects, especially when it's someone who used to live in New Jersey. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, you meet a lot of people up here who used to live in New Jersey, and he's uh, he's got that going for him. There was actually a guy at the town hall meeting last night who's from Mendham, the town where Christy lives, uh, and he constantly meets people from New Jersey. And there is something to be said for a little bit of a New Jersey expat community up here. Last week, you know, he said he was done talking about Donald Trump. Well, uh, maybe he would like to be done talking about Trump. Here he is in New Hampshire answering another question about whether Trump's rise is bad for the Republican Party. The only person Donald Trump has an effect on is Donald Trump. And the same way whatever comes out of my mouth, I'm ultimately responsible for, or Jeb Bush or Scott Walker or Marco Rubio, we're responsible for what we say. And in the end, whoever becomes the nominee will then represent the party. But you don't represent the party until you're the nominee. You're just aspiring to do it. So I'm not, I'm not that's why I'm not worried about it. That's why you don't see me overreacting to it. He also had to answer questions about uh, Trump during uh, the town hall in Keene. I would tell you, and I've said this to Donald, I think if he became president, he would be incredibly frustrated because what he does in the business world could not be replicated in the world of government or in the world of international relations. For instance, when he says says that he's going to build a wall across the entire 2,000-mile border between the United States and Mexico, and he's going to make Mexico pay for it. Uh Now, that's a great line, right? 
Everybody loves that. Great. We're going to get the wall. We don't have to pay for it. All I want you to explain to me. He had a lot of attention with that, though. Of course he did. And if I don't know whether, see, I thought we were talking about actually governing our country and not getting attention. And then after that exchange, by the way, David, uh, this woman went up to him and uh, he told her that he was going to get her vote and he kissed her on the cheek. And uh, she told us that, you know, now she was deciding between uh, Trump and Christie. I mean, the, the uh, Trump voters, many of these Trump voters are potential Christie voters. Uh, we saw in the poll that came out this week that Trump is stealing more votes from Christie, pollsters think, than any other candidate. This is the new uh, Monmouth University poll? That's right. A, a poll that the governor, by the way, disparaged to me earlier as, uh, as liberal and, you know, it, it shouldn't be believed. But... Um, <laughs> It is a legitimate uh, polling agency, so you know, take from it what you want. But I, I have talked to these people, and they tell me they, they like Trump because he tells it like it is. They actually use Christie's slogan at Christie's Town Hall to describe Trump. So there's no question that Trump is a little bit eating his lunch up here. It's really interesting. Before uh, the town hall in Keene, you, you asked a guy if Trump has kind of taken this uh, telling-it-like-it-is identity away from Christie. The average voter, like myself, wouldn't have any idea who uh, started being the truth-teller, and we do need some truth-tellers in Washington, D.C., and and all around the country. Uh, So most people are not watching closely enough to worry about uh, candidate uh, identity theft. That's true. That's true. They're they're being inundated with uh, information from these hundreds of people who are running. Um, so it's sometimes, you know, hard to distinguish between them. It's really very difficult right now to cut through the noise and get his message out. That's why he's been here more than any other candidate in the last six months. That's why he's doing these town hall meetings. That's why he's not taking, he says, he's not taking these polls into any consideration right now. And it's all about the marathon. It's all about January when most people in the state end up making their minds. He's trying not to worry about the polls right now because if he starts worrying about the polls, it's going to freak him out. Maybe some numbers he should pay attention to are those uh, numbers about uh, which states listen to Bon Jovi and which states listen to Bruce Springsteen with him uh, uh, shifting his allegiance, uh, his, his favorite artist, uh, longtime favorite Bruce Springsteen, to his new favorite, to Bon Jovi. And, and I think if I remember right, uh, New Hampshire is more of a Bon Jovi state. That's what they say, and I actually have some breaking news on this front. Uh, he told a, a young man today whom he actually recognized, and he was wearing a U2 shirt. The governor told him that he saw U2 on Sunday night. So he went from Bruce to uh, Bon Jovi and now to Bono. Matt, U2, that is getting into some dangerously liberal territory. I mean, the <laughs> hug, the Obama hug was one thing, but Bono, forget about it. He moves in mysterious ways, David. Matt Katz covers the governor for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio and is writing a book on Christie due out in January. Matt, thanks again. Oh, thanks, David. Take care. And here's the evidence of that favorite artist reversal in an interview on the website LifeZet. Lifelong Bruce fan Governor Christie and Mary Pat playing a game called This or That. John Bon Jovi or Bruce Springsteen? Oh. That's hard. Is this a hard question? Their music or their person? No explanation. Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. This is the Christy Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. 
It was a tough week for New Jersey commuters thanks to overhead wire issues and power problems. NJ Transit and Amtrak riders dealt with days of delays getting to and from Manhattan. NJ Transit and Governor Christie blamed Amtrak, which owns the Hudson River tunnels. Amtrak's CEO Joe Boardman blamed aging infrastructure and a lack of federal investment in the rail system. I'm very frustrated as well, and that's why I'm here today. I'm fed up with this. We want to get it fixed. This community deserves a reliable transportation system, a reliable railroad, and we're going to get it for them. We're joined now by senior editor for politics and policy for WNYC News, Andrea Bernstein. Welcome back. Thanks, David. Christie sent out a statement last week blaming Amtrak for extreme delays and for indifference to New Jersey commuters. Isn't this the guy who famously canceled the Arc Tunnel project shortly after he got into office? This was the new Hudson River rail crossing that was already in progress when he stopped it uh, in its tracks in 2010. Nearly $275 million in federal funds had already been spent on the project. Well, at the time... All kinds of government officials up and down, the senators from New Jersey, the federal transportation secretary all begged and pleaded with Governor Christie not to cancel that project because two reasons. One is it took 20 years to plan. It was already happening. And two, that there's no redundancy, that Amtrak shares a tunnel with New Jersey Transit, and that if something goes wrong in that tunnel, it affects Amtrak. It also affects New Jersey Transit. And and that's really what we're experiencing now. And then to add insult to injury, during Sandy, those tunnels flooded. The wires became corroded with salt water. And the effects of salt water on train tunnels is insidious and progressive, meaning that as the years go on, they continue to degrade. Uh, This is a situation which has been years in the making. I mean, you know, Amtrak, for its part, has been under constant attack. I mean, it's nothing that New Jersey Transit has anything to do with. It's, it's, It's Amtrak equipment that they're not investing in. It's just had its funding cut. So it's really struggling at a time when more and more people, in fact, want to take the train. Christy appointee David Wildstein was director of interstate capital projects at the Port Authority. Uh, earlier this year, of course, he pled guilty to charges related to the lane closures of the George Washington Bridge. But going back a few years when he was uh, holding this title at the Port Authority, he was also involved with this plan to use funds that were going to be used for the Arc Tunnel to instead uh, go to repair the Pulaski Skyway, the road that leads from the New Jersey Turnpike to the Holland Tunnel and Hoboken. That's right. So rolling this back, Christie becomes governor in early 2010. And he realizes that the transportation trust fund is empty. And it's empty in large part because New Jersey has not raised its gas tax in decades. It has the lowest gas tax in the nation. So Christie and some of his advisors came up with a plan to redirect the ARC tunnel money. And one of the first things we now know that David Wildstein and Bill Baroni, the uh, former executive deputy director of the Port Authority, who's now uh, under indictment in Bridgegate, one of the first things that they began working on their schedule show is the redirection of money from the ARC tunnel to New Jersey road projects. And in fact, that's what happened. After the ARC tunnel was killed, the Port Authority got its $3 billion back, and money was allotted to the Pulaski Skyway. This is now under investigation because the Pulaski Skyway is not 
a Port Authority road. So, I mean, one of the things that we found out about David Wildstein very quickly was that he wasn't sent to the Port Authority to close down bridges. Uh, He was sent to get as much money as possible for projects that would uh, be of political benefit to Governor Christie. So this is a project that would be of political benefit to Governor Christie because it would mean he didn't have to raise the gas tax. And that would be a terrible thing to do uh, if you were getting ready for a Republican presidential campaign as he was. You know, now in an interview on ABC Radio, Christie said uh, if elected president, he would support using federal money to build more rail crossings between New Jersey and Manhattan. If I'm president of the United States, I call a meeting between the president, my secretary of transportation, the governor of New York, and the governor of New Jersey, and say, listen, if we're all in this even, Stephen, if we're all going to put in an equal share, then let's go build these tunnels underneath the Hudson River, and we're all in equal. And it's easy to to sit back and say, wait a minute, this is the guy who killed the Ark Tunnel Project. How dare he say this? But uh, on the other hand, is he still remaining consistent with what he's been saying the whole time, that, uh, yeah, this... This tunnel is needed, but that was the wrong project. Well, I mean, he has said he's for the new project, which is known as the Gateway Project, which would be a new tunnel built by Amtrak. He said he's he's been for that. Uh, you know, the sort of argument against that is, look, Governor Christie, it takes 20 years to put something like this together, plus you've got to put together all of the funding. This was already in place for the ARC Tunnel, so we should have taken the imperfect project that we had rather than a future project that we don't have. All right, so where are we heading here, Andrea? Last week, was this just a little preview of uh, the massive delays that we could be dealing with in the near future? I mean, last year, uh, Amtrak CEO Joseph Boardman had really grim news for the Regional Plan Association when he said that one or both of the current Hudson River tunnels will have to close within 20 years. Yes. I mean, it's come to this, that the best hope, the best hope for new, that New Jersey commuters have is that they get this tunnel built uh, as soon as possible. And, you know, you think about the 20-year timeline. We're now 2015 going into 2016. So we're looking at 2036 uh, before there's a new tunnel. Then, you know, maybe that could be accelerated. Uh, but But that's the kind of timeline. So, you know, the delays were both predictable and predicted. So it is very grim news indeed, both for New Jersey transit riders and Amtrak riders uh, who are also going to be affected. And you think about this, obviously, this is a choke point, the tunnel under the Hudson River, because all Northeast Carter traffic goes through it. That's the problem with having no redundancy. And it uh, would have been completed soon. The Arc Tunnel would have been finished in 2018 had construction continued. Andrea Bernstein, Senior Editor for Politics and Policy for WNYC News. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29 Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. Or Andrea Bernstein at Andrea WNYC. I'm David First, and we'll finish with the governor taking a question from the enemy in New Hampshire. All right, the young man in the Patriots hat. Well... You're probably not a Patriots fan, I take it. No, no, listen, I have my own problems. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. All right, well, I'll give you that.
As, as most of America learned last year when I was hugging Jerry Jones. <laughs> <laughs>